10-3 is brought to you by Callaway. Chrome Soft isn't just another tour ball. It's the golf ball that's changing how tour balls are made. When Callaway made a low compression, low spin tour ball, others said they might be onto something and tried doing the same. But they can't. Because Chrome Soft is the only ball engineered with a graphene-infused dual soft fast core for serious speed and unbelievable control around the greens. See for yourself why everyone was playing and loving Chrome Soft. Order the ball that changed the ball at CallawayGolf.ca. On July 15th, a young couple, China Deese from North Carolina and Lucas Fowler from Sydney, Australia, were found dead on a remote stretch of highway near the Liard Hot Springs in northern British Columbia. Police have said they were both shot to death. Four days later, the body of 64-year-old Leonard Dick, a lecturer at the University of British Columbia, was found 475 kilometers from the first crime scene. Once believed to be missing persons, 19-year-old Cam McLeod and 18-year-old Briar Schmigelski, both from Port Alberni, BC, are now fugitives on the run from the RCMP. They were last spotted in northern Manitoba in the Gillam area, where RCMP have been combing through dense forest and muskeg I'm Trevor Robb, and this is 10-3. Dave Breckenridge is away this week. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. Stephanie Ipp is a reporter with the Vancouver Sun and has been following this story from the very beginning. RCMP in Manitoba just wrapped up a news conference earlier this afternoon. Stephanie, what are the latest updates from police? So in a nutshell, police are saying they're going to scale down the search. It's been a pretty intense um, nine days or so that they've had resources in the area in northern Manitoba. They've searched about 11,000 square kilometers. They've checked into more than 500 homes and buildings, uh, rail lines, hydro corridors, lakes, rivers, tundra, dense forests and bush. They've got officers out on foot. They've got police dog teams, all-terrain vehicles, boats, helicopters, drones, uh, some of the most advanced technology they have available to them, um, and still nothing after nine days. So uh, Assistant Commissioner Jane McClatchy with the Manitoba RCMP did say today they're going to scale down the search, but that does not mean the search is over. They'll still have police presence in Gillum. They're going to continue searching just in a more strategic way. They'll take a look at the resources and see where they can redeploy them moving forward. Uh, They also mentioned that the uh, RCAF and the military will be scaling down as well. Yes, that's correct. On Saturday, they brought in uh, the Canadian Air Force, uh, brought in an aircraft that was equipped with heat imaging uh, that could search a large area to try and track down if there were two human bodies in the uh, northern Manitoba wilderness They haven't been able to find anything, so the Air Force is pulling out their resources, but they've told the Manitoba RCMP that at a moment's notice, they'd be happy to jump back in and assist with a search again. But for now, uh, that aircraft uh, equipped with that technology is not going to be a part of the search moving forward. One thing we've heard a lot from police here during this search is about the terrain in northern Manitoba. Just talk about how difficult it is not only for the suspects to survive, but also for police trying to track and find them. Uh, It's been quite interesting following the search because I think, obviously, for a lot of people who live in um, urban centers, we forget how massive this country is. And a lot of that is wilderness that uh, doesn't see a lot of human traffic at all, just a lot of wilderness, animals. 
And so if these two young men are out there, it, they could very well be hidden somewhere that people don't frequent very often. Uh, and a lot of it, it's been, the territory has been called unforgiving. You have to consider the weather. Yes, it's a summer, but we do know that nights do get cold. Um, they're dealing with animals. If they run into anything like that, they would have to make sure they're hydrated, finding access to water and finding access to food. Um, and a lot of that will depend on how much uh, they personally can handle. Even a TV show like Survivor, you see people thrown into similar conditions and people respond differently. So it would be the same case here, whether these kids are prepared and equipped and skilled for this kind of uh, survival situation. We don't really know. It would test any any normal person. Well, yeah, police have mentioned that the road to Gillum, there is only one. There's one road in, one road out. And when they're in York Landing, there's no roads in. There was only access by ferry and, and plane there. So obviously, yes, a very difficult terrain for RCMP to be combing through. Uh, one other statement that uh, police did, did give on Tuesday was that it is possible the suspects inadvertently received assistance and are no longer in the area that has to be really, really concerning considering they've already received help inadvertently from people before. Absolutely. Uh, like you're saying, York Landing, it's a two-hour ferry in. It's a uh, plane in, but there's no roads. Gillum, also very difficult to get in and out of. So if they did receive help, if they did tuck away in someone's car, we don't know for sure. But if that's the case, police, uh, the the search will definitely be complicated uh, mostly because the police are looking for these two individuals. They don't know if they should also be looking for someone who was a bystander and may have interacted with them or helped them somewhere on a, on a road, and, and we just don't know that yet. A memorial was held for Deese three days ago in North Carolina, and a service will be held for Fowler on Friday in Sydney, Australia. Stephanie, I want to rewind the clocks back a little bit here because it's now been 16 days since the bodies of Deese and Fowler were first found, and another uh, nine days since McLeod and Schmigelski were considered suspects. Uh, take us back to those initial days as police in British Columbia were trying to piece this all together. I think those early days were marked by a lot of uh, confusion just how this could have happened, why it happened, and what exactly happened. For the first little bit, we we learned about this young couple that had been killed. And then we heard about these two young boys who were at the time considered missing. And so I think the question on a lot of people's minds were just, did what happened to this young couple also happen to these two young boys? So I think it was quite jarring when police finally um, shared the the development that these two young men were now considered suspects. So it's just a lot of confusion, not knowing how to respond to that news and how to uh, react to it. Uh, the other interesting thing is uh, this young couple was found uh, on the side of a highway. And I think anyone who's taken a road trip or driven down a highway, everything moves quite quickly. There's not a whole lot happening. And I think there's just this idea in those early days that we need to move quick because if whoever's responsible for this is on the highway, they're they're moving and they're getting out of there. So I think that was that lent itself to a sense of urgency as well. Right. And then, of course, four days later, uh, there was the discovery of the body of, of Leonard Dick there, the uh, Vancouver botanist from the University of British Columbia. Uh, as of right now, McLeod and Schmigelski are still considered suspects in the deaths of Fowler and Deese, but RCMP have formally charged them with second-degree murder uh, in Dick's death. Uh, what, what more can you tell us about him? 
So we haven't been able to speak to Dick's family, uh, but it is a huge loss for UBC. We've had a couple of people from the university share statements and their memories of Leonard Dick. He was described as someone with a very gruff exterior, but that really lit up and opened up when talking about his field of research. He studied uh, seaweed in the West Coast area, and he was someone who just held a lot of knowledge about a very specific field. So the death of Leonard Dick didn't represent just the loss of a person. It also represented a loss of knowledge and education to the educational community of UBC, which I think is tough, too, when um, you take a look at what education can do for the, the fields of science and everything else. So um, I think a lot of his colleagues are quite sad about his passing, but also just the loss of his work and what he had devoted his life to. And that crime scene, of course, was uh, 475 kilometers away uh, from the initial crime scene there uh, where Deason Fowler's bodies were found. So that was another one uh, when it comes to the initial days, trying to wrap our minds around the mystery of how that could have happened so far away from the other from the others. And yet the two were connected. Yeah, I think a lot of people were in their minds mentally trying to do the math of how fast you would have had to be driving to get from one spot to the next And we still don't have an exact timeline of how everything played out. So while the police are obviously looking in northern Manitoba for these two, uh, you know, it, it's, it is important, I think, to, to look back and realize that these two are from Port Alberni on Vancouver Island, a relatively small city of about 17,000 people. Uh, how has that community been impacted by all this and how are they handling all this? Like you said, Port Alberni is quite a small city. Our colleague Gord McIntyre, he spent the early days of this story out there speaking to community members, and there was just a lot of confusion over what was going on. And of course, at first, we thought these two young men were uh, missing persons, and so there was some concern in the community, of course, just hoping that they'd get home safe. And then when police told us they were actually suspects, I think the community didn't really quite know how to feel about that, Um, just trying to sort out this confusion about how something so horrific could be linked to their quaint community here on Vancouver, on Vancouver Island. There are a lot of people who just didn't know how to feel. Uh, our photographer and our reporter out on uh, Vancouver Island uh, visiting Port Alberni to learn more about the story, they interacted with some people who were not happy that the media had descended upon this town and, and were in their eyes, harassing these two families. Even uh, the McLeod and Schmigelski families, some of them had left town just to avoid some of the media attention because, of course, it's not a story that anybody ever sees themselves becoming wrapped up in. So I think there's just a lot of confusion, concern, and uh, not knowing how to feel about having your small town uh, attached to a national story like this. As this drags on, I mean, we're reaching, like I said, day 16 for this manhunt here. Is there a growing sense of frustration from the community uh, who just want to see these guys caught now? I think people just want to know why it happened. Uh, It's not something that you hear about every day and just the shifting of uh, Schmigelski and McLeod from missing persons to suspects kind of really threw everybody for a loop. And of course, there's concerns about safety, about whether this could happen again. We had the young couple and then we had Leonard Dick. It's been a few days. It's been quiet. But of course, I think there are a lot of people out there who just won't feel safe uh, until these two are taken in by police and we can figure out kind of what happened there. And as well, the communities in northern Manitoba, these are people in in very small communities, much smaller than even Port Alberni. They've had police uh, checking their communities. 
uh, setting up roadblocks and just searching their backyards, essentially, for these two suspects. I'm sure those communities would love to return to a sense of normalcy and not have to live in fear or in wonder if someone's, you know, hiding in their garage or in their backyard somewhere. And so I think a lot of people are just ready to get back to normal and just to get some closure for what happened to these three people. Stephanie, what do we know about the suspects themselves? Uh, well, the most immediate thing that I, as I was going back through uh, recent stories today, uh, I realized Briar Schmigelski's birthday is actually on Sunday. Uh, so he's 18 and will be turning 19 on August 4th. Uh, that's a bit of information that came from his dad in a recent interview. Um, Cam McLeod is 18. The two had been friends for a very long time uh, since childhood. Uh, both were very big into the gaming community, and we know uh, they interacted with people online. We've seen some photos surface of Bryce Migelski with Nazi paraphernalia, and we don't really know what the interest is there. Um, but his dad has spoken to it previously. His dad, Alan Schmigelski, this week has even said he plans to self-publish a book that talks a little bit about their background and their history and why he thinks his son has become involved in this whole uh, news story. And it sounds like Brash McGelkey didn't come from a great background. He, It sounds like he was bounced around a little bit and his parents split when he was quite young. But again, this is all coming from his father, who sounds like he has had uh, some challenges himself in the past. So I don't know how much we can interpret from that, but it's, it definitely hasn't sounded like a traditional upbringing that you might expect. And about the manhunt itself, can you take us a little bit through the timeline? Uh, so all what we know so far are that Schmigelski and McLeod left Port Alberni about July 12th. Friends and family have said that they thought the the pair were headed up to uh, Whitehorse to seek work and uh, before their names popped up again in connection to this story. Uh, we know they were driving a red and white uh, camper truck. Um, that was the vehicle that was found uh, set on fire just near Dee's Lake there. Uh, near where Leonard Dick's body was found. So we know they were driving in one vehicle and somehow switched into another vehicle. That second vehicle was later found burned out near the uh, community of Gillum in northern Manitoba and is basically the last confirmed sighting or any uh, confirmed hint of the pair in the area. And that's kind of why police started their search in the Gillum area and, and really focused in there. They've said there is no other record of a missing vehicle that the they could be driving. There's no other record of a stolen vehicle that the pair may have taken after setting that RAV4 on fire. So that's why we still believe that they're on foot somewhere. They were spotted at some point in Saskatchewan, but at that point, news was only just starting to filter out that they may have left B.C., and so we've got security footage of them walking through a store, and you can see their faces quite clearly uh, and then shortly after, they the vehicle they were driving appeared in Manitoba, and that's about the closest we've got so far. We did have uh, police did say they received a tip on Sunday evening that the boys were possibly in York Landing, and that's why the search shift from Gillum to York Landing. But again, police haven't been able to confirm that it was for sure them that was spotted by a community watch leader. And so that's why they've they've scaled back the search. They've pulled out of York Landing and they've returned to Gillum and um, will continue to search the area there. 
And of course, there was that uh, situation where their uh, SUV got stuck in the mud in Cold Lake uh, and a resident there inadvertently helped him, uh, helped tow them out of the mud there. So a very possibly scary situation for that gentleman. Absolutely. The gentleman shared a story in a Facebook post. When you're driving on the highway and you see somebody stopped and and they're stuck somewhere, um, I think for a lot of people, the natural tendency is to try and pull over and help. Nobody ever expects that the people they're going to help are going to be people that are subject to a countrywide manhunt. The gentleman did express in his Facebook post how it could have been a much different outcome, considering what we know of the couple that was murdered here in BC and Leonard Dick. But he was grateful that nothing happened. He did describe the two young boys as looking a little uh, scared. Obviously, this is an ever-evolving story, and we will be sure to follow along with any and all updates as it continues to unfold. Stephanie, thanks for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Thanks to my guest, Stephanie Ipp. You can see more of her work at VancouverSun.com. I'm Trevor Robb. Thanks for listening.